From CPR News, this is Colorado Matters. Half of Coloradans who leave prison return to prison. The recidivism rate here has been stuck at around 50% for a while. Corrections Chief Dean Williams is on a mission to change that. He'll join us along with a parolee. Jeff Johnson thought he'd spend the rest of his life behind bars, but a Supreme Court ruling changed that. Now he has ideas for making corrections better. He and Williams have struck up a professional relationship and they'll share their ideas for reform. Like a kind of transition period in which inmates work on the outside and return to custody at night. Meanwhile, there's been a rise in prison assaults, both inmate on inmate and inmate on guard. Why? Plus the difficulty of hiring corrections officers. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. I'm Ryan Warner. Running a prison system has never been easy. In Colorado, though, it's been fatal. In 2013, then-head of corrections Tom Clements was murdered by a parolee. It is history Dean Williams was well aware of when Governor Jared Polis appointed him corrections chief in January. Williams must deal with a stubbornly high recidivism rate, meaning people who return to prison. And Dean Williams is with us. Welcome to the program. Uh, Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having us on. Also with us, a man who's on parole and who has dedicated himself to prison reform. Jeff Johnson was released from prison less than a year ago after nearly 25 years behind bars, and he has developed a working relationship with Dean Williams. And Jeff, glad you could add your perspective. Welcome. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. I'd actually like to start with your story. You were sentenced to life without parole for your part in a murder. You didn't actually kill anyone, but you were on the scene. This happened when you were 17. You're now 42. What's been the biggest challenge being out of prison and staying out of prison? I think for me, the biggest challenge, uh, obviously, is technology, learning technology, because I, it really wasn't out here when I was out here. Um, everybody still communicated with each other versus just texting each other over a phone. Um, as far as staying out of prison, uh, I think just doing the right thing, you know, whether you're in prison or out of prison is going to keep you doing, doing a, being a positive life. Has it been difficult to do that or have you found that fairly easy? No, I think I struggle more sometime with the parts of like learning how to be a man, if that makes sense. Um, like doing the day-to-day things that like a man out here would do. But as far as like the character, I think my character is good. So any obstacles that that I'm going to come, I'm going to overcome. Give me an example of the difficulty of being a man, as you put it. Um, <laughs> like, for instance, the first time I went to the gas station and got gas, uh, I went back into the guy and told him, hey, this pump don't work. So I, and, I, and he was like, no, it's on. So I went back out there, put, tried to pump my gas again. And uh, it still didn't work, so I went back in and told him, I said, hey, this, this your gas ain't working. And he was like, did you pay? And I was like, you know, but in my mind, I just don't think like that yet. Because uh, the last time you pumped gas, I, it was a situation where you pumped and then paid. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so these kind of newfangled credit card gas pumps were something to get used to. Yeah. And I never had a credit card or anything before. I never even knew how to drive when I was on the streets. You have a job now. You're married, expecting twins. Uh, Have there been days when you have thought it would be easier to be in prison? 
that was something you had grown so accustomed to. Yeah, I think it, it, if I be honest, yes. I, I mean, not for the fact that it would be easier. I mean, it would be easier because you don't have the responsibilities that you have out here or they're kind of somebody else's responsibility. Um, but I'm more comfortable, I think, in prison. I haven't, like, really got real comfortable on the streets yet. Um, I actually took a few of the senators back into DOC with me one time, and one of the senators asked me, uh, how do you feel being back in here? And I was like, to be honest, comfortable. Hmm. Because you uh, have were in prison basically from the age of 17, 18, correct? Yeah, I, yeah. from 17, I had... 17 and three months all the way to I was uh, 42. Your release had to do with a U.S. Supreme Court ruling that found sentencing juveniles to life without parole was unconstitutional. You were resentenced and shortly after released, but you, you basically grew up in prison. Dean Williams, what stands out to you from what Jeff has said so far? How does it sync up with the difficulties of reducing Colorado's recidivism rate, that is the rate at which people return to prison. Right. Well, uh, Jeff's, Jeff's observation about, hey, it's actually comfortable being back here when he was asked by a senator is exactly the point. And um, that's why I, I love hanging out with this guy and, and sort of hearing what he has to say about <laughs> it because it's the thing that I'm fighting. Um, when you have nothing to lose – when you get out of prison, if you don't have a job, if you don't have a place to live, if you don't have other friends or social people that you should be hanging out with, then going back to prison is not so bad. It's not as uh, drastic as what you and I would um, – how we would feel about going to prison because we have a lot to lose right now. That's eye-opening, but it surely can't be a new idea in corrections. In other words, that's a trend I imagine that has existed for a very long time. We described the recidivism rate in Colorado as stubbornly high, about 50 percent. What do you do that's different to change it? Well, the first thing I think is getting over the denial. I feel like I've, uh, when I ran Alaska's system, what's similar here to there is to say, do you realize this can be done differently? The prison can be done differently, that we can build in prisons uh, an increasing sense of responsibility, not just privileges, but responsibility and what it means to do your time. What would that look like? Like working, like the last year or two of your sentence. Why, if you have 20 years to do in this system, why shouldn't we put you out in a job, a prevailing wage, a minimum wage job, and say, hey, you still belong to the state of Colorado, to DOC? But you should be working before you get out. Working off-site. Working off-site. Come back to the prison at night. Work during the day, prison at night. Is that safe for the rest it, of the community? It is safe. And I did it in Alaska last year. We did it there for several years, working there and coming back to the prison at night. And that's part of the efforts of where I'm going to change the recidivism rate because what we want for people like Jeff who come out of prison is to start the tr that transition a year or two before they even hit the door. And that's the way that uh, you go after recidivism. Is that about reducing the culture shock? Yes. It, it, well, exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. I mean, the, the same thing Jeff's talking about, about how do I use the gas pump? I mean, a cell phone. I mean, how do I even get a ride? How do I get on the bus? Um, all of those things, we have removed all responsibility for people in our custody. I imagine that it's, it's also about reducing economic barriers. So if someone has started to earn that money, is that money that they would then keep? Sure. 
Absolutely. Once they're released? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they have restitution, we have a form you have to pay 20%. But if you don't have restitution, um, you keep the money. And that way, when you actually hit the door, you can pay for rent. I want to note that uh, some Colorado prisoners are also firefighters. So there's already some of this to Correct. some extent where prisoners are able to leave the premises and assist the community in some way. Jeff, if you could change one thing that you think would reduce the recidivism rate, what would it be? I think I think everything that he's saying is on point. Um, I think the reason why I think it, though, is from my experiences, the number one character trait that all 99% of the uh, inmates that I've met we all share was selfishness. So I think when you when we start taking responsibility and accountability and other things, it allows us to kind of overcome that selfishness and realize like it's just not about us. Um, so I think when you're when you're able to be a part of something that's bigger than you are, it makes you want to give yourself more to that to that cause. Dean, you talk a lot about something called normalization. Uh, this connects to tours you've done of the prison system in Norway which is highly focused on the idea of normalization. Give us an example of what that means. Well, it means um, that you, like, out, it's as much bringing as much that you can on the outside, on the inside. So if having a job, reason to get up in the morning, um, working, um, maybe, here's a radical idea, what about cooking your own food? Uh, what about... Um, you know, going to a class every day. And this is, and we have that behind the walls now in limited capacity. But what they've done in Norway is that the expectation that this is the floor, this is the minimum, you're going to get up and you're going to have a purpose behind the walls. And that's not what we have done, I think, in the country overall. You have imagined even the idea of prisoners wearing their own clothes. Correct. Why? Well, because, um, we wear our own clothes. And because wearing um, a uniform or a prison garb, um, quite frankly, uh, dehumanizes an, a bit. And that's not uh, for those of us. I mean, I hear some people saying, well, they deserve that. And they got that coming. I disagree. And here's why. Um, we want humanized people who come out of prison. And we want humanized people behind the walls. And that leap that Jeff talks about from going, hey, how do I work a gas pump? Um, the reason why normalization matters is because if you don't have a normalized environment, the leap from that environment to the real world environment is large. I think it's really important to understand as well that most people in prison will get out someday. 95%. 95%. Was prison a dehumanizing experience, Jeff Johnson? Yeah, I think for the most part, you feel forgotten about. You feel um, like kind of like as a sideball from society, uh, like a casualty from it. Um, So to me, like little things like that, it's not changing the individual sentence. It's not doing any of that. Um, But I think if if we're making people better while they're in prison, that's going to bring... They're going to come out here and become products of society. Why wouldn't we want that? This for you is not an abdication of responsibility. It's not about serving less time. It's serving different time. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes. Oh, that's, that's, Dean, that's exactly right. It's, I can't control the length of sentences per se, but I can, I can greatly influence. And I think we have to accept the fact that we've gotten it wrong a little bit, that making prison stark, idle, a place of deprivation, does not make us safer as a society. And that's why 
Um, we have the recidivism rate we do. And I think that's what, that's what I'm out to change. I just want to note that statistics from 2018 show that offender assaults on other offenders or staff uh, are rising. And use of force by corrections officers went up pretty dramatically between 2017 and 2018. What do you think is happening there? Well, well um, it's funny you had mentioned that because I just ran some stats on 2019 for the same period of time. So I don't want to get ahead because I don't want to make jump too fast. But the whole point of normalizing the environment is to make the place safer for not only people like Jeff who was serving time behind the walls, but for the staff. I mean, if you don't want to do it for the inmates, do it for the staff. If and I tell people, if you have no sympathy for people who are doing time there, um, please have sympathy for people who are working there. Why is a normalized environment a safer environment for because, corrections Because it officers? breaks down walls of us and them. It breaks down this barrier that that keeps people, uh, that keeps the staff uh, uh, viewed as being potentially sort of the enemy amongst the inmates. But when I get pulled over by a police officer, I my heart races because that person is a is an authority figure. There is in me a desire to, uh, you know, give into that power. To obey, isn't that important? Sure. Isn't that an important? Well, it is important. It is important to dial, but 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 good officers who pull you over also are also not only assessing the safe their own safety immediately, but are also making connection with you to say, hey, um, you're speeding, and my job is to um, sort of uh, intervene with you on that. But that doesn't mean I'm against you. I'm still serving you as a citizen, Jeff. And can I change that word from obey to respect? <laughs> uh, because I, I don't feel that you have to obey the cops, but I do think you need to respect them. You were about to get ahead of yourself, Dean Williams. I'm going to see how far ahead of yourself we can get. What do the new numbers show? Well, more, I'm, more. I'm, 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 I'm reluctant to, to like reveal them now, but I can tell you the three months that we looked at this summer and the three months compared to last year were – because I want to keep track about from month to month, are we seeing a decrease in assaults? And so far, I'm starting to see favorable – uh, returns. Now, I can't say it's absolutely all related to normalization because we've just started the process. But um, I want these barriers broken down to improve public safety, not only on the outside, but behind the walls. I want assaults to go down. I want safety behind the walls to be an expectation. Jeff, I'll note that you spent a lot of time in prison using and dealing drugs. Mm -hmm. I believe you are off drugs today. How easy is it to get drugs in prison? Uh. Well, it, it it was really easy. Um, I mean, it took me a, it took me a while to kind of figure it out, but then I was able to kind of figure out my own way to bring them in. Uh, how do you bring drugs into a secure facility? So how I was doing it, I was actually having it brought in through the warehouse. I was having uh, one of my friends actually worked at the facility or at one of the places like at Cub Foods, where it was getting uh, where he would just pack the pack the food and then it would come into the facility. So it was through a channel that might have also brought, you know, string beans. Right, right. Okay. Why don't we pick up this discussion after a break, Dean Williams? That points to the fact that the environment can be porous, it can be vulnerable, and uh, we can talk about the tension between that and normalization. Dean Williams is Corrections Chief for Colorado. Jeff Johnson, recent parolee, back in a moment on CPR News. 
Now that more states are legalizing weed, the focus has shifted to legalizing in a way that remedies the negative impacts of the war on drugs. As reporter Natalie Moore from WBEZ in Chicago tells us, We can't allow rich white people, rich corporations to swoop in when you have people who were sent to prison for smoking or for selling marijuana. Social equity and cannabis legalization on the latest episode of On Something, wherever you get your podcasts. You're back with Colorado Matters from listener-supported CPR News. I'm Ryan Warner, and the subject of the show today is some of the biggest issues facing prisons and inmates in Colorado. Dean Williams, uh, Corrections Chief for the state, we heard from parolee Jeff Johnson before the break that it was fairly easy to get drugs into prison, essentially using the channels that bring food into the facility. You think about that, you think about the connections that are made Uh, between prison gangs and the outside, the influence that they can wield even though they're incarcerated. And I'd like you to contrast all of that with this idea that you propose of of more normalizing of the prison environment. Well... Is it wise in the face of those challenges? Well, it's not only wise, it's one of the solutions. It's the main solution. Um, Having normalized... When things aren't normal... Uh, and you have nothing to do. If you're an addict outside the walls, being an, you're still an addict inside the walls. And I'm not sure what um, Jeff's reason for using behind the walls, but I'm guessing it's because he's sitting in a cell with very little to do. Nothing uh, to lose. And nothing to lose. And why, why, why not? Why not use drugs when you're in that environment? Normalizing the environment, uh, it reduces the, the desire for that, it, it, and that's what the impact of uh, why normalization, it makes the prison safer. Uh, and it, as I said before, it, it helps us in terms of reducing the overall recidivism rate. So. Yeah, Jeff, say a little bit more about why you used, but I also think you dealt. Did, did you not? Yep. So uh, originally I started using to kind of uh, kind of escape the reality, if you will of knowing that I had double life without parole. I was going to die in prison twice before I was I was ever eligible to, to see the streets. Um, so, yeah, and then I became a dealer. And then... Uh, Why did you become a dealer? Well, so I, I was forced kind of become a dealer because I was supporting a drug habit that I ended up getting in prison. Um, and I had destroyed all of my family relationships. Um, you know, I was manipulating my family into sending money and telling them this guy was going to do this something to me if I didn't get this money sent. Uh, so, I mean, I destroyed a lot of the family relationships. So, but at first I, I went from using then to like getting it and then selling it and then to eventually, you know, bringing it in. Dean Williams, the crime rates today are nowhere near what they were decades ago, but we have seen an increase in violent crime. Can we make any connection, do you think, in Colorado to that and changes in how people are being released, when people are being released? Well, I'll I'll say this. If you're going to go after and you want to improve public safety, the, the target population that we should be looking at are the people coming out of prison. There's a bunch of other people who are going to get in trouble today as we sit here who have never been in trouble before. And we may not be able to impact that that group. But the group that uh, – we release several hundred people every month out of this system. 
And I can tell you that's the target population in terms of how um, we go after public safety. So I can't impact everything that happens on the streets or what the trends are in terms of new people getting in trouble that I'm, I, I don't have and never touched the system before. Um, but my goal is the people getting out, who is the target population, who is the most likely to get in trouble again if you take, you know, 200 people getting out of prison, 200 people who have never been in prison, guess who's the most likely to go back to prison? People getting out. I know that your predecessor, uh, who was, in fact, murdered by a parolee, uh, Tom Clements, had placed great emphasis on the idea of reducing the use of solitary confinement, what is known in correction circles as ADSEG, administrative segregation. Where is Colorado right now on reducing solitary confinement if that's a goal of yours, why is it a goal of yours? Well, well to all credit to Tom and also my immediate predecessor, Rick Ramish, the, the state is leading uh, nationally on reduction of solitary confinement. Um, I'm not reversing course on that at all. Uh, I'm applauding that. Um, and why? Well, because it does further damage to people. Uh, I'm not sure, Jeff, if you were in or how long you were in. A decade. Yeah. And it's, you spent 10 years in solitary confinement? Yeah. It's it's not good, is it? No. Yeah. It, it's, it's easier been a struggle to come out of solitary confinement and go back into prison. Why were you in ADSEG? My actions, drugs. Um, I mean, I was a plague of our system for, for about the first 15 years. I'd given up hope. But does someone like mm. that or, or who Jeff was belong in the general prison population, Dean Williams? Well, um, Jeff just said something pretty important there. Uh, he'd given up hope. Um, and when there's a complete absence of hope behind the prison walls, um, uh, people dissolve. They, you know, they, uh, they break down and um, to survive. And there's nothing good that comes of that. So, yeah, I... I don't want anyone in segregation because nothing is going to get better there. It is only going to be worse. The person is only going to get worse. And um, that's not good for any of us. We have uh, just about a minute. My understanding is that there's some difficulty hiring corrections officers. It's, Why is that? It's improving. Well, because um, the salaries, quite frankly, that's one of the main reasons. And it's because it's a tough environment. It's a tough job. Salaries have been improved. Um they're going to hopefully continue to be improved, but we've made all credit to the governor and the legislature. Um, we made some good strides in, in improving, increasing correctional officer pay. Um, that's good. <laughs> I want more for some of the other, my other staff. But the, the third thing is is the environment. The people reason people don't take this job is they think it's just turning keys, you know, you know, and locking doors. Um, I tell officers, I'm not worried about you wanting too much. I'm worried about you asking for too little. I want officers to be a key major function of reducing recidivism. So when we talk about normalization and we talk about interactions with people in custody, the job is changing, the role is changing, and that will increase our availability for an applicant pool. Dean, I want to note that there has been a lot of attention on problems with sexual assault at Denver Women's Prison. A study five years ago found that it had the highest rate of sexual assault of any prison in the country. How do you get women to come forward when many are afraid of retribution? 
Well, I mean, that's uh, the the goal is making. I'm working on this. Actually, we discussed it this week about how we make reporting and anonymous reporting, so it goes straight to our inspector general's office. What would that look like? So, well, I mean, part of the reason why I want tablets and other things behind the walls is I want ability for inmates to report out that don't have to go through normal chains of command. Let me let me say this, um, because uh, everyone has a right to be concerned about what happened at Denver Women's over the years and even recent events. But um, we have a very clean system, especially compared to the rest of the country. And I'm really proud of that. What do you mean clean? Well, I mean, uh, reports of of, of maltreatment or misconduct among staff is fully investigated, thoroughly investigated by my, my, our inspector general's office. And I have high confidence in the credibility of that unit um, and the staff working there. Uh, and that's not necessarily the case around the country. So I don't want to compare ourselves and say, hey, we're better than others. I mean, I don't want to go down that road. But the reality is, is I'm, I'm very confident about um, about what we have in place to prevent misconduct. You can't, you can't see all that coming down at you. Um, things that happen are not representative of who we are. Um, but I can tell you this is that I'll go after it full force um, when we do find out about it. So the idea is to have tablets, you're speaking of digital mm-hmm. tablets, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, in prisons? Right. We just I had imagine a are not Wi-Fi enabled. Or... No, well, they're they're not, but they're on separate units. And we want to use those tablets for one education behind the walls, college behind the walls, because there's ways of doing this very inexpensively and getting training and providing those opportunities. Like Jeff said, hey, whether or not you take you know advantage of them are up to you. But to make those things available, but to also use those kind of means to be able to report out when something is wrong, because people behind the walls are worried about. Uh, retaliation, retribution. I totally get that. But I have to say, if, by the way, if any, if you have a loved one in prison and you hear anything like that, um, we want to know about it um, because uh, we're, we wouldn't tolerate, we don't tolerate it. Jeff Johnson, if there was a skill you could have learned in prison and didn't, what would it be? <laughs> uh, how, to, how to pay for gas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to bring this full circle. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, like learning how to keep a checkbook, even though I guess people don't really use checkbooks out here no more. Learning yeah, but how to budget we still have to money. balance balance accounts. You know? uh, I mean, everything that pretty much everybody out here takes advantage are not like it's just something that you do out here as a routine are things that we don't know. Um, and I think a lot of those kind of skills can be used for even the adult offenders because most of them just don't know. Is there room for more Jeff Johnsons in helping reform corrections, Dean Williams? How important is people who have walked the walk, talked the talk, in executing what you're trying to do? I was just talking over the break with Jeff. I said the irony of him and I sitting in the same room together and the history of the state of what happened with the murder of Tom by a parolee. Um, Jeff and I are on a mission together, um, and I think we both know it. Uh, and I, I don't only need Jeff Johnson. I need a whole bunch of other people who are incarcerated, both on the left and the right side of the equation, to say, look, uh, this can be different, and it should be different because we want better results. We want improved public safety. So uh, I need people like Jeff Johnson with me. Well, and this, and this, this is actually something that I'm out here working on too, um, is trying to bring parolees. Like if you're doing the right thing, uh, I want I want you to be a part of this. Because there's so much that we can do out here 
to hold ourselves accountable and to kind of make it like a family out here. And, and because I do a lot with the at-risk youth as well out here. Um, and, it, and it's crazy the amount of influence that we have on them. It's just like you asked Dean what his job is on the recidivism. To me, that's kind of our responsibility coming out of prison to help educate these youngsters so they're not even going in to begin with. Jeff Johnson was released from prison last November, spent 25 years behind bars, now works on prison reform. Dean Williams, coming up on a year as head of the Colorado Department of Corrections. I'm Ryan Warner. It's listener-supported CPR News.